بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين In the previous session, we talked about different types of dhikr, remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then we mentioned some definitions of dhikr or remembrance of Allah given by our scholars. And then we tried to explore more. To be able to continue the discussion, so I start again with a summary of what we said about different types. We said that one type of dhikr is what we call remembrance by word or dhikr lafzi. You invocate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you remember Him by mentioning some of his names. Maybe Allah, maybe Rahman, maybe Rahim, Kafur, Aziz, Subhanallah, La ilaha illallah, Allah Akbar, all these beautiful names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is important, but if it is just the utterance of these names and just mentioning these names, although it is very useful, but it doesn't have the real effect and impact. It's like a person who is ill and patient just saying, doctor, doctor, doctor. This is not enough. In Dua Al-Kumir, we say, Ya man ismuhu dawa wa dhikruhu shifa. Oh, the one whose name is medicine and whose remembrance is healing. So remembrance is the main thing. Name is a medicine. If you have a medicine and you don't take it, just you read the name of the medicine or you keep it in your hand or even if you put it on your tongue but don't actually take it, that medicine doesn't solve your problem. Allah's name is the medicine but Allah's remembrance is healing. So this is what we call remembrance by word which is very important but it's not actually the main remembrance of God. After that we said there is another type of remembrance and that is remembrance by meaning. You say something but you pay attention to the meaning. So it means that you are letting that name of God enter to your heart. It's not just utterance of the few letters. You are actually letting that name of God to be in your heart. For example, I, I say, Ya Shafi, O the healer. But then in my heart, I think about God being the healer. 
یا طبیب من لا طبیب له او healer of the one who has no other healer the doctor of someone who has no other doctor tabib means physician so you let them meaning be in your heart the third is remembrance by heart this is more than remembrance by meaning remembrance by heart is not that you say some word and pay attention to the meaning no it means that you remember by heart and then naturally very naturally you say some of the names of allah for example you go to a very beautiful scenery where there are flowers beautiful butterflies birds and you are amazed with this beautiful creation of god and then you say subhanallah this subhanallah is much more valuable than saying subhanallah or saying subhanallah and then pay attention to the meaning this subhanallah is like fruit of your heart you have achieved it it is produced naturally from your heart this is very important sometimes you see it is the time of prayer so you get ready for praying this is very good the time of prayer you get ready for praying but something more important than this is sometimes you feel you miss allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and even if it is not the time of prayer you go and open your sajada and sit on sajada and start talking to allah or do some salat mustahab this is much more different it's not because of an obligation you miss allah when you miss someone you try to go and visit them or phone them or speak to them so when you miss allah and then you want to meet him this is much more important it's very natural So this is remembrance by heart. And then we have remembrance by acts. Zikr amali. This is what Allama Majlisi Muhammad Baqir Majlisi mentions. Everything that we do for the sake of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala this is also remembrance of Allah. For example, praying fasting giving alms going for hajj helping people serving your mother your father showing care and love to your children going and studying going and earning some money for the sake of financing yourself and your family so that you are not dependent on others everything that you do with good intention for the sake of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is also remembrance of allah by act by practice so we have four types of remembrance of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now we said the definition of remembrance of allah 
is very important and helps us to be able to understand why all these four can be included under remembrance of Allah. I said that our scholars have different definitions of remembrance of Allah. For example, one of the great contemporary philosophers and commentators of the Quran, he says that remembrance of Allah is attention of the heart to Allah. So remembrance is attention of the heart to Allah. Anything less than attention of the heart is not remembrance of Allah. Another great scholar, contemporary scholar who is also a jurist, a commentator of the Quran and also a jurist, a mujtahid, he says remembrance of Allah is to pay attention to him and feel he is present. Think that he is seeing you. He is observing you. This is remembrance of Allah according to him. What is common between them, although the wording, the phrasing may be different, but what is common between all these definitions, definitions like these and other traditional definitions, is that remembrance of Allah or zikr is attention of the heart to either the essence of God or to his attributes or to his acts. We said this is acceptable, this is a good definition, but it seems it's in need of some modifications. And we think that these modifications would be acceptable to also those scholars. Maybe they just didn't have time or chance to make it more clear. First of all, remembrance of Allah is not any attention to Allah. Remembrance is attention to something that you already know. Dhikr is paying attention again. If someone just enters the room and I see him for the first time, I cannot say, Zakartuhu, or I remembered him. I cannot say I remembered him. I don't have any experience with that person. When we say Zakrullah, remembrance of Allah, this means that you are already familiar with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have already some knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just you are refreshing that. You are renewing your memory of Allah. So it's repaying attention. Not paying attention. Repaying attention. Paying attention again. This is very important. We human beings are not in need of being taught about Allah. We are in need of reminders to come and remind us of our 
knowledge of Allah. This is why the Quran calls divine books as a dhikr. You remember we had verses that the divine books are dhikr. Or even the Quran being dhikr. In huwa illa dhikrun lil'alameen. Quran is nothing other than a reminder. Even the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself is introduced as a reminder. You remember the verse 10 and 11 of Surah Talaq in which Allah says that Anzalna ilaykum rasoolan dhikran yatlu alaykum ayatullah mubayyinat liyukhrajakum min al-dhulumat ila al-nur. Allah has sent you a reminder, a messenger, an apostle who recites to you clear signs of Allah, clear verses of Allah to take you from darkness to the light. So the Prophet is a reminder. Quran is a reminder. So reminder means brings back your memories of Allah. So this is one modification about the definition of dhikr. The other modification is that it's not that whoever pays attention to Allah and refreshes his memory of Allah is doing zikr. Zikr must be a type of attention to Allah which comes with loyalty, with love, with faith, or at least with openness. If a person who doesn't believe in God thinks about God, he's not doing zikr. If a monafir, a hypocrite, is thinking about God, this is not zikr. Or, for example, if a person who has faith but is disobeying God, for example, it is an act of worship in the months of Ramadan. He knows that he must fast. This is wajib. This is compulsory. And then he says, shall I fast or not? Allah has asked me to fast. But in summer in UK, it's very difficult to fast. 16 hours, 18 hours. And, you know, I have lots of things to do. And then he brings excuses. And in the end, you know, he says, although Allah has said to fast, but I have to not fast. So this person has full attention to Allah and His will. But he doesn't listen. So can we say he is doing zikr? No, this is not zikr. This is negligence. This is ghafla. So it's not that whoever is thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is doing zikr. Zikr is to think about him, to remember him in a positive way. Either as a faithful person or as a person who has love for Allah or at least is seeking the truth, is opening his heart towards the light of Allah. And then for making this more clear, we can refer to the Quran. And I give you some examples from the Quran to see that dhikr can be used for a person who just wants to believe, a person who is embracing, for example, 
Iman and Islam. We can say Zikr. Although he doesn't yet believe in God, but because he's opening his heart to God. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surat Taha, number 44, says that he told the Prophet Musa and the Prophet Harun, Moses and Arun, to go and speak with Pharaoh, Pharaoh, in a very soft way. فَقُولَ لَهُ قَوْلًا لَيَّنَا Speak with him softly. لَعَلَّهُ يَتَذَكَّرُ أَوْ يَخْشَى Maybe Pharaoh remembers. Or Yaksha would have some humbleness in front of Allah, some awe towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some type of fear, but this is a special fear. It's not fear of something which is frightening, fear of feeling nothing in front of something big. If Pharaoh is spoken softly, there is a chance, Allah says, this is a very great and important lesson for us, that even with someone like Pharaoh, you have to speak softly, maybe his heart becomes enlightened and opened. What is my point here is the term yatadhakkar. Allah says maybe Pharaoh remembers. Remembers what? Pharaoh is not a faithful person. So his remembrance is not a remembrance of a faithful person. His remembrance is remembrance of a human being who has opened his heart to God. So he remembers God because he is refreshing the knowledge that he had from God in the past. So this is very important. So tadakkur can be used for a kafir who is embracing faith. Still, it is remembrance. Another ayah. In Surah Abbas, Abbas wa Tawalla and Ja'ahul A'ma. Just if you continue. This is about the story of a blind person who was seeking guidance. And according to our Sunni brothers, according to many of their sources, they say the Prophet was speaking with someone who was not showing that much interest. But a blind person came who was seeking guidance and the Prophet didn't pay attention to him. But this is not our understanding. We say no. It was not the Prophet who didn't pay attention. Someone else who was there was not happy that a blind person has come and a rich person is left. Anyway, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when this blind person has come and is seeking guidance, ma yudrika, la'allahu yazzaka, why do you think that there is no chance for me? Maybe he seeks purity 
Yazaka is from Tazkia. It is Yatazaka and then it is combined and it has become Yazaka. This is a rule in Arabic. Maybe this person seeks purity or Yazakar or remembers. So this reminding would help him. So again, a kafir, someone who doesn't have faith, when he accepts the truth and embraces faith, we can say he has remembered. And this is why some people prefer to use revert instead of convert. Because revert shows that this person has not embraced something new. He's returning to his initial and original and default state of faith. Because every human being is born with some understanding of God. So, remembrance of Allah or dhikr means to refresh your knowledge, your understanding of God, to pay attention again to God, to bring back the memory of God into your mind, into your heart, either in a faithful way, with love, or at least for understanding and for seeking the truth. Because whoever is seeking the truth indeed is moving towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah is the true. Allah is the true. If someone is really looking for the truth, whether he knows or doesn't know, he is moving towards Allah. Once I had a discussion with a person who had no faith and came to visit me. He was from Germany. And the conversation was, you know, whether uh, God exists or not. And then at the end, that person asked me about whether God loves him, that person or not. I said, God certainly loves you, even if you are in this state. As much as you are researching and you are thinking and you are trying to find the truth, you still don't know what is the truth. But just the fact that you are pursuing the truth, this is by itself a sacred search. Someone who is reading, studying, asking to find out whether God is there or not. This search is a search for truth. And indeed this is a search for God. Because we don't have doubt that God is the truth. So I said as long as this search is being done, you are loved. But the moment the truth becomes clear for you, and then you don't accept. Or you become lazy in your search. And don't continue your search. Or 
you just enjoy searching because there are people who enjoy searching they just search they don't want to understand like people who are interested just in making questions sometimes they make the same question to every person even if they are satisfied they repeat it and even I had someone in Manchester was asking the same question every few weeks from me so some people enjoy questioning, asking, okay, it's okay, but this is not really search for truth. A person who searches for truth is like searching for water. If you reach the water, you must drink it and then you are not thirsty. Look for something else. But if you just enjoy looking for water and never take water, this is why in Farsi we say, Ab kamjuy teshnegi avar bedast. Look a little for water. Try to become thirsty. The problem with many people is that they are not thirsty. There is water, but they are not thirsty. Someone had a servant and invited all his friends and said, My servant has a special ability, a special skill. He said, Why? He said, He knows who is thirsty. So everyone said, okay, we must come and see. So he had a very large, you know, table and offered them meal. And everyone was thinking that this person must give him water as soon as he becomes thirsty. So they waited. He didn't bring water. So one said, you know, I am thirsty. You didn't bring me water. He said, no, I'm not thirsty. Another person said, I am thirsty. He said, no, you are not thirsty. Then someone went and went to the tap and took water and drank. He said, he is thirsty. <laughs> so he was able to say who is thirsty by seeing what they do. Those who just say we are thirsty, these are not thirsty. If you are really thirsty, you go and find water. Many of us, we say we are thirsty for knowledge. And then you expect invitation comes to your home. First class letter comes. Class is arranged. A speaker is there. Light is there. Everything, coffee, tea, everything. And then some people don't come. And they say, you are thirsty for knowledge. Okay. If you are really thirsty, you must yourself make also some efforts. So, what is important is... That the person must really search for the truth. As long as you are searching for the truth, God loves you. Whether you believe him or not. This is my understanding. God is very much merciful towards someone who is looking for the truth. You know, like Salman. Salman was a person who was looking for the truth. He was first a Zoroastrian. So he believed in God, but he was not satisfied. He left his family, his town, then he became Christian. Then he heard that the Prophet of Akhirul Zaman is coming. He went to Arab Peninsula, waiting for the Prophet of Akhirul Zaman, and then he believed in the Prophet of Akhirul Zaman and became one of the best companions of the Prophet. Because he was looking for the truth. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in surat Zumar number 22 says Is the one whose breast is opened by Allah for Islam so he has light from his Lord then the other side is not mentioned. You must understand it yourself. Is the one whose heart, whose breast is opened and he has light like the one whose heart is closed and sealed so no light can enter? These are not the same. What we need is to open our heart and let light comes in. If you have greatest light, but you put barrier, veils between you and the sun, the light, then you have to remain in darkness. So what we need is to open our heart so that the light comes. The other thing which is very important is... Now that we have understood the definition of dhikr and remembrance of Allah, especially if you remember those hadiths that we mentioned about the remembrance of Allah, now we want to understand why remembrance of Allah is so highly regarded. Indeed, why it is the most important thing, the main thing for achieving light. Very briefly, what I can say is that we human beings all are going towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to meet him on the day of judgment. Ya ayyuhannas, ennaka kadihun ila rabbika kadhan famulagi. O man, you are laboring, you are struggling towards your Lord so that you meet him. So every human being has to be presented before God, has to meet God. On the day of judgment, all people will meet God. The people on the day of judgment would be one of two major groups. Some people meet God while they are pleased and pleasing. These are the people who have been working for meeting with God. You know, like someone who is going to have an interview with, for example, an interviewer or with an inspector. If he has worked hard and has prepared himself, he has no worry. The people who have prepared themselves for laqa'ullah, for meeting God, when they meet God, they are very happy. There are faces that when they meet God, their faces are open, they smile, and they are full of joy. But there are people who have been, during their life, always forgetting God. Insisting on doing bad things. They have polluted their heart. When they stand before God, 
they are feeling ashamed. They cannot look at God. They cannot look at the face of God. Of course, this Vajuhullah is not physical face. These are the people that Quran says, Wujuhun yawma izan alayha ghabara, tarhaquha qatara. Their faces are dusted and dark. There is no slightest joy or happiness in their face. Because they have not been ready for meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we are all returning to Allah. Inna lillah wa inna ilayhi raja'oon. Ilallah al-masir. Ila rabbika muntahaha. So we are all going towards Allah. But a mu'min is the one who is willing to go towards Allah. Who aspires to returning to Allah. So a mu'min tries to achieve liqa'ullah in this dunya. This is very important. You can reach the estate that people would have on akhirah by force. You can have it voluntarily in this dunya. In hadith says, Mutu qabl an tamutu. Die before you die. What does it mean? means make yourself ready for death. Detach yourself from all the belongings to the material world. And then you will be released. You will be freed. Then for you, death is not something important. This is just like changing your dress. You know, if you have a dress which has lots of, you know, bottoms and ties, you know. And then they say, in a second you have to remove your dress. What can you do? You have to tear your dress and, you know, take a knife, you know, and maybe injure yourself. Because this dress is fully attached to you. But someone who has already opened the bottoms and the dress is loose on him. He can easily change his dress. For a mu'min, his body is very loose on him. He's not attached to this dunya. Imam Ali salam says in the sermon about the pious, Khutbat Muttaqeen, لَوْلَا الْآجَالُ الَّتِي كَتَبَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ لَمْ تَسْتَقِرَّ أَرْوَاحُهُمْ فِي أَجْسَادِهِمْ تَرْفَةَ عَيْنًا أَبَدًا If it was not that they are waiting for a deadline that Allah has fixed, if it was not because they are waiting for deadline, their ajal, their souls, their spirits would not have remained in their bodies even for an eye blink. A mu'min forces himself to remain in dunya. But if someone who has no face is so much attached to this dunya that you have to force him to leave this dunya. Salam. For some people, death is more painful than removing someone's nails. You know, nail is very attached to our finger. 
if you want to remove the whole nail, it's very painful. It's like torture. Yeah? Some people are so much attached to this dunya that when they want to leave this dunya, they want to leave their house, their money, their bank account, their children, their family, their position, their garden. When they want to leave all this, it's more painful than removing the nail. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَا لَكُمْ إِثَّاقَلْتُمْ إِلَى Why are you so much attached to the earth? Why you are so much attached to this dunya? It's as if with some glue, you have attached yourself to this dunya, you don't want to be separated. And if you are separated, you are going to cry and you are going to feel painful. A mu'min, as Imam Ali says, it's only in this dunya because he's waiting for Allah's permission to depart. You know, someone who has a very important journey. You know, something that for all your life you have been waiting for. For example, you know, for years you have been waiting for hajj. Now, you have been able to get everything ready. Everything, family, work, visa, ticket, everything is arranged. And you are also packed. Everything is packed. You have your dress. You have made a shower. You are quite ready. Then you see, oh, still I have five hours, six hours to the flight. So you wish this passes quickly because you want to go sooner. This is the situation of moment waiting for death. Departure to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the person who is only thinking about this dunya, for him death is very painful. So, every person has to return to Allah and has to meet Allah on the Day of Judgment. Ya ayyuhal insan, innaka kadihun ila rabbika kadhan famulaqi. Anni dhanantu anni mulaqin hisabiya. So, there is no doubt about this. But, what is important is, have you made yourself ready for this meeting with Allah? Have you been prepared for that or not? Something that helps us for this is to remember Allah and in particular to remember the day of judgment. To remember that we have come from Allah and we are going back to Him. So now, let us reflect on the verse which comes after Ayat An-Nur, after the verse of light. You remember the verse of light. Allahu nuru samawate wal-arv 
مثل نورهی کمشکاتن فیها مصباح المصباح فی زجاجه از زجاجت و که انها کوکب دری یوقد من شجرت مبارکت زیتونه لا شرقیه ولا غربیه یکاد و زیتها یدی ولو لم تمسسه نار نور علا نور light over light so we, we talked about this now I want to draw your attention to the next ayah surat nur which is chapter 24 number 36 if you could look at number 36 and then inshallah we go to 37 this light which is the light of Allah and Allah gives us an example of his light like a lantern which is shining the glass which is around this lantern by itself is shining it's very beautiful in dunya why we put glass around the light just to protect the light and we try to make it a glass because glass is transparent and doesn't block the light. You cannot put wood or clothes. You put glass. But this glass is different. The glass by itself is a shining star. The oil which is used is the, from olive tree even before igniting the oil is shining by itself. It's very a special light. Then Allah says, this lantern, this lamp or light can be found fi buyutin. Fi buyutin adhanallahu an turfa'a wa yuzkara fi hasmo. In the houses, if you want to find the light of Allah in this dunya, go and look for some houses, buyut, and bait is a place for life. Bait is a place for human being. This is very important. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, The mosques are baytullah. Masjid al-Haram is baytullah. Why Masjid al-Haram? Why mosques are built? For the sake of people. The very first house which has been built for mankind is Masjid al-Haram. It was built by Adam. These mosques, Masjid al-Haram, these houses are built for mankind so that they can remember God. Who is more unjust? Who is doing more injustice than someone who stops people remembering God in mosques? So, this light can be found in some houses. Allah has permitted to be raised, to be elevated. And His name being remembered. So you have to look for these houses in which you can find the light of Allah because he is being remembered there. So the light comes from remembrance. In mornings 
and in evenings glorify God rajalun la tulhihim tijaratun wala bay'un an dhikrillah men people who neither business nor merchandise make them forget God they always remember God they pray they give alms they remember God and they have fear of the day of judgment in which hearts and eyes will be transformed so remembrance of God remembering Akhirah is something that has made these houses the sources of light then in our hadith these houses are uh, introduced more Imam Bagher alayhi salam commenting on this ayah says hiya buyutul anbiya these houses in which Allah says there are people who constantly remember him are the houses of the prophets and then Imam Bagher continues wabaytu aliyan Menha. The house of Ali is one of the houses of the prophets who represent the light of Allah. In another hadith, we find, if you find one this hadith, it is in Tafsir Nemune by Ayatollah Makarim Shiraz. Once the prophet was reciting this ayat Nur, then Someone asked the Prophet, what is this fi buyutin? What are these houses? The Prophet said, buyutul anbiya. Then the first caliph was there. He asked about the house of Ali and Fatima. Are this included or not? Or is this included? Because it's one house. The Prophet said, Naam. Yes. Min afadiliha. Not only it is one of them, indeed it is one of the best of them. Why we call Ahlul Bayt Ahlul Bayt? What do we mean by Bayt? Bayt means house. What, what do we mean by house? Does it mean that they were living in the physical house of the Prophet? No. Ahlul Bayt means those who live in the spiritual house of the Prophet. This house from which the light of Allah is coming. The house of Prophet Musa, the house of Isa, the house of Ibrahim, the house of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And the house of Imam Ali and Lady Fatima is the same house. When you go to shrines for ziyarah, for example, you go to Imam Raza. Before you enter, you seek permission. As not dukhul. You seek permission to enter. What do you say? Allahumma inni waqaftu ala babin min abwaab buyut nabiyyik. Oh Allah, I am standing next to the door of the house of the Prophet. One of the gates of the house of the Prophet. It is shrine of Imam Raza. 
But we look at it as part of the house of the Prophet. Because Imams, they don't have independent house from the Prophet. Imams are ahalobaited Nabi. They are living in the same house as the Prophet. And when you enter the shrine, you must not think that you are entering a cemetery or a graveyard. You must entering a house. A place for life. A place for light. So you say, Allahumma inni waqaftu ala baban min abwaab buyut nabiyyik waqad mana'ta al-nasa an yadkhulu illa bi'idhnih. And you have told people not to enter the house of the Prophet without asking permission. Because the Quran says, لا تدخلوا بيوت النبي إلا أن يؤذن لكم. So, the shrine of Ahlul Bayt, these are part of the house of the Prophet. So, the light spreads from these places. If you can go and visit You should go and visit. If you cannot go and visit, at least face them. At least try to pay attention to them and remember them so that you can receive this light. But it is also possible that we also connect our house to the house of the Prophet. We can... Remember Allah constantly. We become good mu'min and follower of the Prophet and Ahlul Bayt. Then your house also becomes connected to them. Like Salman. As Salman, minna Ahlul Bayt. Salman is one of us Ahlul Bayt. Salman was not a stranger. Salman was not an outsider. Even he was not a visitor. He was one of the people of the same house. There's a difference between someone who lives in the house and someone comes as a visitor. He became as a visitor. No, he became as an inhabitant of the house. We can follow Ahlul Bayt wholeheartedly, follow the Prophet wholeheartedly, remember Allah constantly, then our house also would be connected and would be considered as one of the house of the Prophet. It's like... When there is a charity, when there is a big charity and you want to become part of the charity, so you say, please enlist my house under your property list. My house belongs to this charity. I want to dedicate my house to your causes. So this is what we can do. And that is by constant remembrance of Allah. Fi buyutin. Adhin Allahu an turfa'a wa yudhkara fi hasmuh. Yusabbihu lahu fiha bil ghudub wal asal. Rajalun la tulhihim tijaratun wa la bay'un an dhikrillah wa iqam salat This is very important. If this house is important, it's not because of its material. It's not because it is very big, very large, very luxurious. It is located in a very beautiful you know, neighborhood. No. Indeed, the house of the Prophet was the smallest house, physically. Very small house. You, you go to Medina and visit the house of the Prophet. Even that part that you see, it was not all house of the Prophet. Part of his house of uh, Imam Ali, part of it is other things. 
It was very small, very simple, very modest, with cheapest materials. Even the Prophet didn't have any carpet. Sometimes they had just to use a you know, skin of a goat or to sit on the cloak. Very simple. What makes a house significant? It's who lives in the house. Unfortunately, many of us, because we ourselves don't have high regard and esteem for ourselves, we try to gain attention of people by driving very expensive car or having expensive suit or living in a very luxurious house. But this is not something that makes someone significant. If a king goes and stays even in a small room, the rooms become significant. Sharaful makan bil makin. The honor for the place comes from the one who is inside that place. Not vice versa. So the house of the prophet is significant. Why? Because in that house there are people. They remember Allah. They glorify Allah. They remember the day of judgment. So we can connect our house to that house inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to... Follow the example of our Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and to remember Allah subhanahu wa taala constantly and love Allah and His people, inshaAllah, without any limit. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillah rabbil alamin.